Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, and you're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast. Just like we've been doing for the last couple of years here on the Tour Coach, I'm going to be bringing you lots of chats, interviews, roundtable discussions on what we do, how we do it, from players to coaches to caddies, students. All of this comes from my travels that are on tour or to Old Palm or from here in Mobile or wherever it is I go around this country, around the world, teaching and coaching at the game of golf that I love. So hopefully, if you listen, you're going to like what you hear. There's there's lots and lots of info and content coming your way that I think are going to help all of you understand and play the game even better or, or coach the game. We've got so many coaches that listen to this tour coach podcast. So appreciate all of you that have gone along with me on this journey for the tour coach. I didn't necessarily know where I was going with it when I started this, this when the Dew Sweepers radio show ended on XM Sirius. Uh, but I can tell you that it has given me so much freedom and creativity to be able to talk a little more and a little more in depth and bring all of you a behind the scenes, inside the ropes look at what me and my team do and the people that we associate with it and how you can use us as a resource to help you get better at the game of golf. Look, and if you like what you hear on the tour coach, also make sure you check out our pro work video series, which is available for you on YouTube and my YouTube channel. If you just go on YouTube and type in pro work, it'll pull up the episodes that are out there. Some really, really great stuff that takes you behind the scenes and inside the ropes. And before I let you go to the tour coach, special thanks to my sponsors that have all been with me for such a long time. Shrix on golf, been with them over 20 years. Can't find anybody better in the equipment side of the world. Bushnell Golf, such a big part of what we're doing with Pro Work and what I do day to day, especially with the Launch Pro, Vineyard Vines, Ian and Shep, Amber and the folks there always keep me looking great. We've been such great partners for a good long time. And lastly, McConnell Automotive uh, here in Mobile, Alabama. Mitch McConnell and the gang, there's nobody that has supported me longer. I mean, they're unbelievable. And the folks at Buick GMC for supporting the Dew Sweepers radio show, as well as the tour coach, and as well as pro work. So check out McConnell Automotive and Buick GMC. And lastly, our, my friend Blaine Stokely and Stokely's Midtown Garden Express here in Mobile. Those folks keep the dew sweepers and keep the pro work and the tour coach and all of our content alive and well for all of you that love the game and want to learn. Enjoy the tour coach podcast, which is coming your way right now. All right. So we're here on uh, this is golf camp episode two. Second day here. We got a new visitor to the dew sweeper cabin. Nick Bova, PGA professional, great teacher, great player, great friend of ours from up in Jersey, but Hamilton Farm. Nick, thanks for joining us. Come in, fly in for a little, <clears throat> little play, a little work. Uh, good to have you. Glad to be here. Oh, yeah. He's crashing the house. I mean, not everybody gets to stay at the house, but uh, so trying to do a different topic each night. Jackson K Golf has been doing a phenomenal job on the creative end of this. Uh, and go ahead, Jackson, tell us the topic and what we're going to discuss tonight for everybody. Best golf lessons you've ever got. Okay. I think that's a fantastic – why don't I lead off? So I'm going to tell the best golf lesson I ever got. I've had a couple good ones, but best golf lesson. I was 16 years old, almost 17, Birmingham, Alabama, <clears throat> and my dad got my – he got me my first good golf lesson or my first golf lesson that I ever had with like a really, really good, like full-time instructor teacher. And it happened to be somebody we all know, Mark Wood. Okay. 
So it's my first golf lesson with Woody. And uh, I'm 16, 17 years old. And we're at this place called Linkside in Birmingham. And those that in Birmingham, Zach, you would know it's on, it was on Valleydale, right outside the back gate of where Inverness hit okay. Valleydale, right? And now it's, it's, uh, it's a housing development, but it was ahead of its time. It was a practice facility that Hank Johnson was involved in. And they built this high-end practice and teaching facility, and this was in 87, so way ahead of its time. Nowadays, it would kill it with all the people out there. It had covered hitting areas, lights, and it had a video room. I mean, in 87, it was just way ahead of its time, and it eventually was worth more as real estate. But anyways, Woody was teaching there, so my dad took me to get a golf lesson, and I still had persimmon woods, but... Um, I tended to slide and swing too much into out. And so Woody filmed me and he drew a plane line. And he took me into the building and he came out and he just dumped this den caddy of balls. I mean, it had to be 200 balls out on the ground. And he handed me my driver. <clears throat> there was a red flag, probably 80 to a hundred yards in front of us. And he said, took my, handed me my driver, took my clubs with him and he said i'm going in there you come get me when you can take a divot and get this ball in the air over that flag with your driver with my driver and keep it online that doesn't sound very fun (laughs) right (laughs) so i was there like a while (laughs) and i realized the genius one he was billing by the hour i mean right but like it was a great lesson i'll never forget that lesson that's the because one it was the first golf lesson I ever took real golf lesson I had some I had some <clears throat> there's a a professional Mike Landry who I'm actually friends with on Facebook who was the assistant golf professional in in Houston when I was a kid who gave me some great young golf lessons and I looked up to him he teaches out in Seattle now I keep up with him but uh, or in Washington I think it is or California but um, actually I think it's California but uh, like Woody was. That was the first real golf lesson. And so that, to me, kind of set the pace for what we're doing tonight, though. Like, that was the first time I ever saw what real instruction was like. And he was infectious with his energy. And and then I always tell people, like, so when my dad came back and said, you know, what do we need to do to get him on a program? And Woody's deal was, like, if he pays me $100, him, from his job, out of his pocket, he can see me as much as he wants the rest of the summer or the rest of the fall, whatever it was. I think it was the fall, right? But he's like, it can't be you talking to my dad, paying for him. He's got to go earn it. I was working the carts, doing carts at Inverness Country Club. So that was my first golf lesson. That's so now, awesome. Jackson, you take it from there. So I think one that's always stuck out with me was from my coach in college, Kenneth Staten, really good player. Two-time All-American at Florida State and played on tour for a couple of years. And I was always super technical and trying to make my golf swing perfect, which was just a terrible rabbit hole. But uh, we took stats for our freshman year. We could do the next episode be the worst golf lessons we ever had. <laughs> could do a couple of those. And uh, so we sit down for the spring semester, and we look at our stats, and there were, he labeled it as six categories. So it was... Driving, accuracy, greens and reg, uh, wedges from like, it was, he liked 50 to 120, up and downs and putting. And you had to label them one to six, your strengths. 
and your goal for the entire next semester was to make the bottom two your strengths. So to snowball essentially your worst two to be your best two. And then he emphasized how to practice those things. And like, if you're really good at driving, what are you doing? You need to keep doing that. And then how can you improve those bottom two and snowball that? And I liked it because it was like a three or four month thing instead of like a three or four day idiot trying to figure out his golf swing on the driving range. So that was a really good lesson for me at that age in my career. McFadden, best lesson you've ever had. All right. Well, obviously we've had had some great ones between you guys. I mean, every time every time I get to hit don't feel obligated. Don't feel obligated to throw us in there. (laughs) Every time throw a good Nick Bova story in there. (laughs) You know, every time we get to hit balls in front of y'all and everybody around y'all is always great. But I think one of the biggest things that turned my game around was was one time when Tony took me during COVID. up to a golf course to play with, with Lucas and just seeing him work around the golf course and that was Frederica how, before yeah. they threw me out. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> it was and uh, watching him Everybody especially likes Jim here raise her hand <laughs> and especially off the tee like how he would hit. It seemed like all of his drives were like really smooth, like nothing. He never really swung out of his shoes unless it was like a par five where he had to. And it just made me realize, like, you don't have to hit it as hard as you can every time. And when I was, I believe I was a sophomore in college when, when that happens. And then that was a really huge thing to see, that the best players in the world aren't aren't really always trying to kill it with anything or trying to hit it right at the flag, like playing to, to their strengths and playing the golf course the way they know they can play it. And I think that was huge for me at, at that age. That's awesome. And that, that's one of the cool things, I think, we talked about it, you know, in the last pod, and we talked about it a bunch. Like, and and same thing when I've come up to Hamilton Farm. Like, we try to surround people with a bunch of people and create a culture where everybody shares and learns. But that's cool. And and LG was one of the very best at that. And and one of the things I miss about us all hanging out was golf camp week. He was always spectacular. Hosted. I kind of miss him hosting us at Parish, to be honest. <laughs> And and I'm and 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 like his wine dinner, but like he was great to the younger guys, and uh, um, but but that was a cool thing. I always thought it was cool, and I I've always thought that it's good for older players or you know mature players, whatever you want to say, to have to sit and talk about the things they do because sometimes I think it triggers you to remember things that maybe you take for granted. Or that you just kind of skip over in your process day to day because they become an old habit and, and so forth. So I think it's good for both sides. Mm-hmm. Zach, oh, putting man. you on the spot here. Have well, another Mountain Dew. I mean, I've pretty much only had, I've only had a couple lessons when I was younger before you. So I haven't had too many. Um, I, okay, I got to tell this story real quick about Zach. So this is the greatest Zach Seeker story of all time. Well, it's one of them. So, hold I on, hold on. Before you finish this, I, I think you're. I know what you're going to say. And whatever lesson we had before that <laughs> year stretch, that is, I don't remember what happened in that lesson, but that's my favorite lesson. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I swear, I hadn't seen him a year and a half, two years. It was, it I'd see him at the club. He'd come down to play with his dad, and we'd talk, and he might hit a few balls, and we no big deal. 
Zach plays phenomenal golf, and he gets his PGA Tour card. So I'm standing in the club, the building, the range building at the Country Club Mobile, and I had like three people come to me and go, congratulations on Zach getting his card. I go, man, I'm so happy for him. He's such a good kid. And they're like, yeah, but congratulations. Like, if you look on the website, you're listed as his teacher. I hadn't seen him in two years, right? <laughs> so by then, it's it's right before Vegas. So it's a couple tournaments in or something. And I text him and I said, I pulled it up on the website, pgatour.com, and, and and it does. I go, it's like, instructor, Tony Ruchero. So I text him, I think there's something wrong. And I said, hey, just giving you a heads up, like, hey, man, congrats. And he's like, oh, T, great to hear from you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> we go back and forth for like three minutes. And then I'm like, hey, man, just giving you a heads up. Like, on PGA Tour, it lists me as teacher. Like, so whoever you're working with, if they see that, might get offended. And he goes, oh, no, they won't. Like, you're my teacher. I just haven't needed a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, where are you the next couple weeks? Because I'm starting to not hit it good. Yeah, I, I just started playing like crap. It had been a long period of time where I was like, and they're great. Still doing the same thing? Yeah, doing, still working on this exact so what same it, thing. God, I wish we knew what that lesson was. Yeah, we need to go back. We need to pull that somehow. Um, All right, so other than that, give us your best lesson. That's a great story. <laughs> um, one, one of my favorite ones with you was at Bay Hill. Uh, I mean, not Bay Hill, um, Bay Point, the one down in Panama That's City. That's because we had wings. There were a lot of wings there. That's right. Um, <laughs> I went down. I think you were doing like a junior camp, yep. but you had a couple pros come that week. And I think that was the first time I'd done a like multiple-day trip with you as well. And uh, I know you had some kind of – I think you had the, that force played out or whatever that, that one is. That was also the first time I ever used that. And so it was cool to see – that was that was early on as well. We were still working, getting my hips out of the way, better, pretty much the same stuff as we are still working on. But, <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, that, that was the first time I had done a couple days in a row. I obviously explained it and, way better before that, <laughs> before the two year. Yeah, that's, yeah, but yeah, I think that was that's my like most memorable the one, and I got to see data on the fact that my footwork was exactly what. We thought it was and already knew, but it was cool to actually see it. How much do you like when we use the swing catalyst and stuff like that? Uh, I enjoy seeing, like, how I'm always trying to get to go less out to my left toe on the downswing, hips go out. And I do like just seeing it every time we meet up to see, like, oh, is it a little less? Is it? You know, minor mm-hmm. improvements, and so and I think it has actually. It's a lot different over over time. It's gotten better and better, and so I do. It's cool just to see exactly like mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's what's happening. So that's awesome, Nick. This will be good. This will, I, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> uh, so I would say I kind of have two. One is more on the humorous side, and the other one is more on the the serious side. I guess so. Uh, let's do the the funny one first. So, this one was actually recent, um, and so a member at my club is actually getting a lesson from another another uh, pro at our at our facility, and so the member is hitting it like.
shit. I mean, he's hitting it so bad. He's hitting it off the hosel. He's hitting off the toe. He's hitting them thin. He's hitting them heavy. He's, he's doing everything. And so the guy that's giving him a lesson looks at him and says, what are your two favorite things in the world? And without even thinking, he says, big tits and chicken parm. So, he's, so he, says, wait, wait, what? he says, he says, what are your two favorite things in the world? And he says, big tits and chicken parm. So then the guy says, backswing is big tits, downswing is chicken parm. And he started striping it. <laughs> and people and it say just, we don't do good <laughs> <laughs> And it just, you know, it just goes to show, it's like, you know, if you can figure out a way to get out of your own way, right? Because he had hit so many bad shots in a row that he was just in his own way. So it whatever it was, it triggered something so that he could actually move and That's hit it. That's why Hack and, and always he, yells chicken parts. <laughs> 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 and then uh, I would say the the serious one, um, I was kind of early on in my uh, going off into my own teaching and coaching. And I had gone out to California and I had spent some time with George. Mm-hmm. And um, we get done – I was I was there for a week after the first day uh, we got done, and I was hitting some balls afterwards, and he was nice enough to stay after and just kind of hang out with me. And we got to talk, and I said, what's the, like, what's the number one thing that, you know, I can do to get better? And he said, uh, understanding cause and effect, and then understanding the matchups that go along with that, right? And so – I've really kind of taken that to heart and and then with a lot of what you what what you guys talk about with pivot related stuff and and a good club face you know I think all those things start to match up so um you know being able to to decipher what's causing somebody issues and then having a game plan as to kind of how to fix it and and that was a pretty cool one from George That's really good. George was out there at Old Palm yesterday. Was he really? Mm-hmm. Actually, Hack said that, yeah. Yeah, he was down, uh, sent me a little voice message this morning. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, there's people on all sides of the fence. But, like, George is uh, always generous with his time. Yeah. I know Jackson's been out there to see him. Um, you know, I, I like watching what he does. Right? It's he, he has such a cool culture out there, mm-hmm. right? Like, every single time I've been out there, he starts teaching at 9 a.m., and his 5 o'clock lesson is there at 9 a.m., just hanging out, hitting balls, hanging out. Like, I think every time I've been out there, the, the least number of people that have ever gone to lunch with us is, like, 12. Really? You know, and he pays for everybody. And, like, it's just everybody just talks golf, and it's, it's pretty cool, you know. And it's, it's a lot of really good players, right? So there's a lot of good insights, but it's it's a pretty cool thing that he's got going out there. No, I, and I think I think the biggest thing, one thing that I think is really important to be a really great teacher, is to believe in what you're teaching, right? Yeah. And to have confidence in it. And and I think that George does that. I mean, I think for sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> we teach different. Probably have different thoughts and beliefs on things, but he's. He believes in what he's doing, and he's done a heck of a job. And um, no, I mean, yeah. And I like the vibe that he has. I think it's good for growing. I mean, people argue. I mean, like even the live stuff. Like, I mean, he he would fit in perfect on the live tour. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, it's right up his alley. Yeah. Let's, let's go to Emilio. All right. How am I doing, Jackson? We doing all right? 
So mine is pretty unique, I'd say, uh, and it was one of the main reasons uh, why I got so creative in the golf course. When I was like, I guess, 10, 11 years old, whenever you're a junior golfer that age, it's kind of where you start seeing some strides in your golf game. Like you start hitting it further, you, you learn how to hit different shots, all this stuff. And when I was 11 years old, uh, the two guys that taught me how to play golf back home in my hometown in Mexico, uh, every afternoon, I would only play golf three times a week then. And every afternoon, for the last hour and 30 minutes that I'd go play golf, he would take me to the golf course and play nine holes only with three clubs. And he told me, like, this is how you're going to learn how to play. Like, he would never took me to the range for, like, an hour and 30 minutes and, oh, this is how you hit these shots. He just put me out in the golf course, and I would just have to figure it out. Like, I learned how to hit a 7-iron from 80 yards from the middle of the fairway to a front pin, stuff like that, and he made me super creative. That's why you're so good at hitting shots now. Yeah. And a good player. Hand it to Zach. I'm going to bring up some of it. So, Zach, when I think of great golf lessons and great teachers, one of the people I think of, is person you grew up with underneath it, Mobile Woody Woodall. Yeah. And I told this story earlier today, I think, to Dan Terleski at Old Palm. But, you know, when I started teaching Bobby and coming over and I got to know you, you know, I would spend time with Woody. He was always generous with his time. You know, and he was always great letting me come over and hang out. But he – I'd noticed that every junior there, like – one, when they got to the point they needed to go get maybe what you would say more advanced or however you would refer it, like type teaching, special, whatever, he didn't care, right? He was, like, supportive of everybody. But, like, every junior there in that program, and there was a ton of them, had perfect grips, a yeah. little bit weaker than I would put on, but they were great grips, good club faces, and great posture. And, but I remember him telling me that he would have every junior, every junior could get a free basket of balls as long as they would chip them first, then pick yeah. them up and then they could hit them. And I thought that was yeah, a great that's, lesson. I forgot about uh, that. Yeah. Right. And so it was the old range at Mobile yeah. and there was the old putting green, chipping green and putting green to the left there. That was a shit green. I mean, that thing had yeah, like was, 25 degrees slope, right? It was right? awful. You know it, Will, right? And, uh, I mean, it wasn't much. But I remember when I first started teaching there, and but, like, there were all these kids, right? And there were so many kids. And I think that clubs could do that. And, and it, I thought, to me, it taught two things. One, it taught them the importance of short game. But it also taught them, too, the importance of going to do something, pick something up and earning the ability to go hit the balls, which I think is valuable instead of just putting a stack of balls out there and these kids that are rich. Man, I, I completely forgot about, See? about that right. chipping That's like rule. a little something I, out of the way I, back I, machine there. That was all we did every day. Right. You, you'd want but to go don't hit you balls, think that's so, why y'all were so yeah, creative? I mean, I, I literally completely forgot about that. He was uh, – I mean, I never got like a actual lesson from right. Woody, but he would always come out mm-hmm. and like – little stuff here and there and like yeah he was the best took care of all the juniors like he was he's still probably mm-hmm. favorite pro like i've ever seen at a club he's the best pro they've ever yeah. had there by far hands down yeah he was i mean it he is was awesome. i'm not bashing scott or anything i'm saying i mean but like you know yeah, nobody nobody had a bad thing to say about woody 
Jackson. Oh, we're going to have another pause here. We're going to have another pause here. All right, give us another lesson. Um, another one that stuck out, stuck out to me, the first guy that I started taking lessons from, it was like a rainy day, you know, and you don't know if your lesson's going to get canceled. So I still go. My dad drops me off. We're hitting balls, and it, it's really raining. So he takes me inside, and on a piece of paper, he draws a bunch of, like, lines with targets at the end, and then a bunch of different curves, and then he draws club faces on them all. And he explains club face and club path and the different shots you hit with those. And then he flipped the paper over, and he drew a plain line, right, with the, on that same line, right? And then he drew a plain line and explained the club going up and down the plane. And then he looked at me and he goes, what shot are you going to get really good at? Right to left or left to right? And like, and then we talked about all the different ways to hit shots. And I mean, I was young, but I think understanding that at that age was really good for me. And I, I mean, I'll go into my, you know, that was one of the things I think my first lesson with Wayne Flint, I was a, so I'd worked with Woody and then I, and then when I was in college, so he had gone to Japan to run the Nicholas schools. And, uh, I think that's right. And, uh, anyways, uh, in between Birmingham and Japan, I'd gone to see him at Innisbrook in Tampa. Right. And I'm okay. So I'm going to give you another great golf lesson. I flew to flew down there to Innisbrook His now wife. Kathy picks me up at the airport and he took me to my first ever Hooters. Life changing. I was 18, 19. He pulls in. And this is, he had a Volkswagen Scirocco. That's as clear as could be gray. And he had a David Allen co tape in the, in the, in the thing. And he was playing David Allen co. I mean, in a Volkswagen Scirocco. And we went to Hooters and I drank pitchers of beer. I was 18. And that changed my life. I was like, I'm not kidding. No, I was like, I want to be this some bitch. I was like, I mean, if, and I'm going to be honest, that's pretty much what I do now. Right. I don't have a Scirocco, can't afford it, but, but I mean, I'm on enclaves, but, uh, but anyways, I mean, so anyways, let's go back to Wayne. But so then I, so he's in Japan. I got to go see anyway. So I got to see somebody and, Wayne Flint had come up under the same teaching tree I'd kind of heard. And he was like a lot of things you hear guys like they were teaching everybody. He was teaching a bunch of people. You're this way in Jacksonville now, like you're this way in Hamilton. Like the guy that's starting to teach all the kids that are getting good. Right. I was like, well, I'm going to go see this guy. And he was the first person like Woody gave me a great golf lesson, but he was the first person. He had the sheet of paper. And if you, I mean, this is a shameless plug, but if you buy my book, on Amazon, right? Lessons from the Legend. It's got the picture of his sheet of paper. And he explained the plane. He explained club face, how the shaft worked up and down the plane. He explained lag and low point. And he drew it out on this paper. And like, you know, and then as I had always been wanting to be a teacher and move towards that, I was like, I could do that. I mean, right? Wayne can draw it on a piece of paper. How hard could it be? Right? So anyways... So, sorry, I rambled there a little bit, but back to you, James. No, that's good. I think, too, as I go on now in the coaching stage of things, especially being around good players, it's always really interesting for me to get their, like, 
I wouldn't call them lessons, but maybe they're concepts that mm-hmm. stick with them over time. Because I think those are concrete for long periods of time. Like Jingle Bell, two years ago, Emilio, Ed, and I are walking through the second floor of the Golden Nugget parking garage. And I just had this, I'm always asking questions because I want to figure stuff out. And I ask him about his golf swing and feels for draws and fades, right? And he explained this thing and what he feels down at the bottom and how it's been like that forever and how he hits draws with this and how he hits fades with that. And I think that concept, like every time I watch him hit balls, I try and figure out, okay, if that's kind of the cornerstone, then how stuff builds Mm -hmm. from there, right? And then I actually had that moment today with Zach in the Bay when you guys were talking about what he used to do Mm -hmm. as a kid with what it looked like in his backswing and how he always aimed left and hit these cuts. And, like, I think that stuff is huge and, like, leaves a big imprint on me when I watch him swing. No, I think that's great. McFadden. All right. um, Another one of my best lessons, I think, was – This is going to be a um, gem. (laughs) Last year, um, I was still in college last year, and I was – Tony was gracious enough to let me come to this pro golf camp last year as a college guy and as an am and you know i think coming down here knowing i had one semester of school left and wanted to play pro golf he brought me down here and for four days i just i got my ass kicked for about four days by each and every person here and i think that was a great lesson for me (laughs) going into my last semester i do that frequently by the way i take people and put them in a situation where you go get your balls kicked. Yeah, and, and I did. Because you got to figure out how to beat people with what you got, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so my whole last semester of college, it helped me out a ton because, I mean, it probably hurt the team a little bit, but I wasn't as worried about Troy's going for the college golf for the last semester. It was more of figuring out how I was going to be ready to go in the summertime when I turned pro and watching all those guys play and how they played. It was nice to have about six months after that to – to be able to figure out how I was going to do it, what I was going to do. And um, I think that was really good for me. That's I appreciate awesome. that. Emilio. A couple more. These are. This is actually Jackson turning out shockingly good. <laughs> uh, we haven't had any two-minute pauses. <laughs> no tingling noses. Not necessarily. <laughs> well, I've got a new sponsor for us. I'm gonna I'm, I'm work on it when we get done. Move. <laughs> uh, for me, it's a story that's actually related to what uh, Will experienced too. Um, I had been working with you for like a year because you started coaching me around uh, my last year of uh, college, and once I turned pro, uh, I actually was living in Tony's apartment uh, since I didn't know uh, what what I was going to do, where I was going to live, or what I wanted to do. But um, when I turned pro, he was really nice uh, to go and take me to here, South Florida, see Colby work out and all that, and play with Lucas. That's where I met him the first time. And we were playing in Old Palm, actually. And I remember to this day, like, I thought I played fairly well, and I shot, I don't know, like, around even or one under. And it seemed like he didn't even play all that good that day, and he still beat me by, like, three or four shots. And, like, just seeing that and, like, how his average golf was so much better 
I was like, okay, this is what I got to get better at. Because we have a lot more days like that in golf that we like to admit. Like the days that you go out and shoot bogey-free six, seven under is like not as frequent as you like. And what he did there is like, I was like, oh, like he didn't play nowhere near perfect golf and he still figured out a way of shooting really just a low score. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I would say <clears throat> next one is uh, is when I was growing up. So this is what I wanted to do. So I'm I'm from I'm from Bloomington, Illinois, and it's actually a pretty big golf town. And my dad taught my brother and I how to play golf, and he, he stole a lot of ideas from people. Yeah, he was he yeah he was a really good he was a really good player, but he was a good he was a good coach, you know. So uh, you know we've got all these like nicer public places and uh there was a nine hole country club in like the middle of town with yeah. no range and so we joined the nine hole country club with no range so they have a putting green and nine holes that's it so <clears throat> me and my buddies we all go play we're practicing we're rolling putts we're we're playing golf and playing Hold golf. Hold on. Playing For golf. those interested, Zach Zucker is getting more food. <laughs> okay, sorry. And so uh, as I got older, so when I was uh, about to graduate high school, I actually asked my dad. I said, why did we actually join Lakeside instead of going to one of the other places? And he said, do you ever hit a range ball there? I said, No. He said, "You can't play golf on the range." That's beautiful. He said, "You can only play it on the on the on the golf course, right?" And so, me and my friends would spend hours upon hours upon hours on the putting green, running putting contests against each other. And then, as soon as we were able to take the first tee, we would run around and play as many holes as we possibly could. And it was, you know, I, I tell everybody that'll listen that I that I work with. That they need to figure out a way to spend more time on the on the golf course and the range. Some some people do it, some people don't. But the people that do it are the ones that actually get better. I agree. I mean, I, Jackson, to you, we'll wrap it up after you. I'll say a parting shot. Go for it, T-Ball. No, you go ahead. Tell us something good. I don't know. You don't have another good lesson. You didn't hurt anything good. <laughs> um. You know, back to my coach in college, anytime I'd have a lesson with him, it was at Riviera Country Club where Mo Norman would go in the winters back in the day. But we'd go to the opposite end of the range from the clubhouse, and he'd fill me face on and down the line with six iron and driver, wouldn't say anything. We'd drive clear across the range again, back to the other side of the clubhouse, and he'd have me hit 30-yard chip shots. He'd tell me one thing, right? Like, leave a little bit more lag in there, whatever. And then we'd back it up 20 yards, and I'd do it from 50 yards, and I'd do it from 70, and then I'd do it from 90. Then we'd drive back over to the range on the other side again, and he'd have me do it with a pitching wedge, and he'd film it, and then he'd show me. So whatever he saw, he'd just take me over to the chipping green and tell me one thing and have me do it, like, really slow and small motion. Then I had to back up and do it a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger, and then he'd take me over there, and then he'd tell me what we were working on. I'll never forget that. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. It's fun. This has been good. This is good. This was really good. We need to How's the wine, T? 
It's fantastic. Compliments of Wayne Flint. Going to throw that out. Compliments of Wayne Flint. Um, I'll end. I'll tell one last good HJ story on oh, this because I, I that's love what you HJ story. You've heard this story. Y'all have heard the Tom Kite story, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's one of the best. So, like the first, the first tour player I ever had the opportunity to watch. I mean, so there was a Champions Tour event at Sandestin called the Boeing Championship back then, and I, this had to be two thousand. I don't know, I was on my third marriage, so I, that's how I equate things. I think it was 2005. Um, it was. It, it was right after, yeah. So it was 2005 or six, because I can remember which wife. But uh, anyways, um, Tom Kite shows up, and Tom, I always remember when I would go to Hank's office in Greystone, he had some signed stuff there from Tom, and Tom had finished second to Tiger in the, 97 masters right and he had a signed piece that was like hey if it wasn't for some great kid we'd had a great week something to that effect right always remembered anyway so um tom shows up and he asked for hank and of course hank isn't there because we worked instead of hank and uh running joke and uh anyways i said so they send him to me and i said look i'm sorry mr kite you know Hank's not going to be here this week. I don't know why, <laughs> right? But he's not going to be here. And he's like, well, hey, can you you watch me hit a few? So that, like, one, Tom Kite's a huge name in the world of golf. Uh, great player, Hall of Famer, Ryder Cup captain. And so I said, well, sure. So he goes driving down. And I said, well, I'll meet you on the back of the range at the Raven there at Sandestin. And – um I had a Blackberry at the time. Remember the Blackberries? Oh, yeah. They were good. Oh, really? What happened to them? That's another podcast. There's a documentary on it. It's actually really? pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to watch that tonight, maybe. And uh, <laughs> Zach, Zach, you want to stay up and watch that with me? <laughs> anyways, okay. So just to wrap this thing up. but um, Anyways, I call Hank. I dial his number and I. I'm driving in a cart. Tom's, I don't know, 50 yards ahead of me. I said, H. He said, T, what's up? I go, hey, Tom Kite asked me to watch him hit some balls. He goes, great. And I said, I'm following him right now. I'm going to give him a lesson. What should I do? And he goes, click. Hangs up. So it's a Blackberry. I think, shit, we got a bad connection. <laughs> so I'm, I dial him back up. He goes, Hello? I go, H, it's T. He goes, yeah. I said, uh, I'm going to the back to watch Kite. He goes, yeah. Click. So I'm like, this T-Mobile I have at this time <laughs> is so bad. <laughs> and so I dial it again. And we, by this time, we're almost to the back of the range. And he answers, and I I said, H. And he goes, T. I said, we go through it again and click. I'm like, fuck. Anyway, so I jump in there, and I set up stuff for lines and ball position, all this, and I film him, and I sit him at my laptop and go over what I saw. And ball I thought was too far back, and the club got too far in beside that. And anyways, so I get home that night, and I was stressed. I get home, and my phone rings, and Hank Always had an unknown phone number. Why, I don't know, right? But I answered, and he goes, hey, 
have less and go. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck, man? I mean, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, here's what I did. And he goes, great. Proud of you. I go, I mean, what was something wrong with your phone? He goes, no, I hung up on you three times. <laughs> and I said, why? He goes, you got to learn to give a golf lesson. He's like, just because he's Tom Kite and he's one of the majors, it's no different than the guy you're teaching. And I, oh, but anyways, I mean, it's a funny story. And I always thought he was a dick for doing that. But, um, and, uh, um, you know, anyways, I, but it was like you teach the guy in front of you, right? And it's a golf lesson. You can't forget that. And I remember that recently, not long ago, we'll wrap this up. I could tell a couple more stories, but like recently, like, Lexi came on the tee, and I remember thinking to that story because, right, like she's obviously a, a a fairly large name in our industry, and I remember thinking the same thing. Like, hey, it's just a golf lesson. I'm gonna tell you what I think. You're gonna like it or you don't. So, That's really good. It was good, huh? Give us one more good Hank Johnson story. Man, Let's I sing had, here. Let's no, hear. I had, I had one, but I I can't remember what it was. It just left me. I swear. I think. Oh, okay. I'll tell you. The last. So anyway, Smiley, because Smiley did a bunch of stuff on Instagram today. <laughs> And this, this is, and and uh, I saw it, and, and I'm super proud of Smiley and what he's doing, broadcasting stuff. He's really found what he, I mean, he's awesome at it. But anyway, so Smiley's third round, he's he shoots the low round of the day, and it's crazy, and he's in the final group at Augusta. And by this point in my career, I mean, this is a whole other podcast, but HJ and I didn't talk very much, weren't on great speaking terms, and, and, uh, I had left to do my own deal. And anyways, I hadn't probably talked to him in nine months, maybe. And I'm riding from Augusta national by the waffle house up there. That's near there going towards North Augusta or South. uh, Yeah. North Augusta, right across South Carolina line. And my phone rings and it says unknown again. This ought, (laughs) this ought to be the topic of the podcast unknown. Right. And, uh, so I answered, and I'm, you know, it's obvious. So it's just me. And he goes, T. I go, H. Here, I go, T. I go, hello? He goes, it's H. And I go, yes, sir. He goes, good work. I said, thank you. He goes, don't f*** him up. And hung up. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And then later, I mean, he told me, he's like, I was just, don't do anything different. Just right. You got to be yourself. You got you're giving a golf lesson, so. Guys, this was Jackson. Hell of a job coming up with a topic. Good stories, dude. Good stories. Emilio, Nick, thanks for coming and joining us, dude. Zach, thanks for just being Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Willie Mack, you're the best. I hope you enjoyed this edition of The Tour Coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Tour Coach. In between now and next week, make sure you follow us on our social channels. You can always find me at the Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and the Dew Sweepers on YouTube. Until then, make sure you follow and check out Everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Trickshawn Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf.
Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. And look, recently, several teachers I know and several players have had some scares with skin cancer. In fact, I recently went and saw a dermatologist here in town, and I had a couple things frozen off, eyelid, my face, my earlobe, and not getting any younger. And I know, I know it's getting to that time of the season where it's cooler, but look, being in the sun is a real deal, and I've not been very good, to be totally honest, my whole career at using it at all because I didn't like how greasy it was, how hard it was to get off your hands, how it clogged up my pores. And then I found this sunscreen, Visor Skin Care. It's clear. It goes on. It doesn't dry you out. It isn't greasy. It's like you didn't put anything on. By far, it's the best sunscreen I've ever used. Without a doubt, is the easiest to use. And we've got a discount code for all of you. All you have to do is go to visorskincare.com. Is use our code word, Dewsweeper. Visorskincare.com, code word, Dewsweeper.